0: Hey Journey, good morning, good to see you guys. My name is Chris, pleasure to be with all of you. We are in the third week of a series that we are calling Beauty Will Save the World and the whole premise would be that we are preparing ourselves for the celebration of Easter, for the resurrection of Jesus as we walk this journey through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So welcome aboard if you're joining us for the first time and welcome back if you're not. Uh, just if you would indulge me in this, think back to the time when you were in your teens or your early 20s. And I know this will be harder for some of us than others, right? So think back. Gray hair, right? Wisdom, all that stuff. Like, we appreciate that. So you've got to think way back. Do that. Now now imagine the nights that you would spend as a teenager or, or early 20-something person. It just envision those nights, what they looked like in your life. Right? Don't go too far into envisioning them, but but think about it like this. Remember how you'd often find yourself in, in the, the darkness of these late-night conversations talking about things that matter with perhaps your, your friends or your family. Maybe you'd be out in the wilderness and you'd be under the stars and there would be this conversation happening. Or, or maybe you'd be in a, a parked car in a driveway in the in the dark having this meaningful conversation with someone. Maybe you've got all kinds of moments in your life where you ended up in the dark. You, were, you gathered with your roommates in, in the living room and, and just the lights were off and you talked about life in general. There, there's, there's something about being young and having conversations in, in the darkness where the, the stillness of the dark seems to draw out these conversations about the deepest meanings of our lives. Like, well, what is life about? What do we want life to be about? And we've all had conversations like this because I think for some reason, uh, our secrets find some sort of safety in the darkness and so it's there where we, where we shake them free, where we share them, where we try and solve them. All of these conversations occurring in the darkness, and it's a lot like the first century religious leader who went by the name of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, he, he was uh, a very well-educated man. He was a leader in, in the Jewish community, and he, he shows up to meet with Jesus in the darkness, right, he's got on this little secret mission to go find out who Jesus is. He's witnessed some of his miracles. He's aware of what Jesus is about, but it's kind of in conflict with everything else that is happening in the the religious scene at that time, and so he kind of sneaks away in the darkness to come and meet with Jesus. He shows up at Jesus' doorstep in the dark, if you will, and, and he's trying to find out what Jesus is all about. And like us, Nicodemus was searching for meaning and, and understanding and answers. He, he was looking for some sort of hope or, or purpose or maybe even love, even though he might not have even known that's what he was looking for. And so Nicodemus, as he's aware of all the things that Jesus had done up to that point, comes to Jesus because he, he's like, without a doubt, Jesus, I get it, God is with you. No other way you could be doing the things that you're doing, and that's why he comes to Jesus looking for answers and so as he acknowledges to Jesus yeah I got it you you've got God with you right and that's kind of his greeting Jesus responds to his non-question seeking type of uh, appeal that he has going on and, and he knows that deep down Nicodemus is asking these questions of the darkness really and so he responds to what's inside of Nicodemus or what's inside of us with these strange words. Here's what Jesus says in response to Nicodemus' greeting. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and, and Nico, can we call him Nico, right, Nicodemus? He, he's like, what, what? right he's so confused he he has no concept of this idea of being born again and so he says to Jesus what the heck Jesus right that's my translation right what the heck Jesus am i supposed to climb back in to my mother's womb is is that how i can be born again and this is a legitimate question that nicodemus is facing when it comes to being born again into the kingdom of god Right, these questions we don't have a construct, we're not sure what that would mean. And so all of these things that Nicodemus is asking begs the question for us: what kind of conversations are we having in the dark? What are the conversations that happen when perhaps we we lay awake at night in our bed? Conversations we're having in our own head or or with our spouse or or even just with God Himself. Because there's something about the darkness where, where we end up believing. Some form of a lie. The darkness is telling us some sort of lie. Lies about how to live and why to live and what to live for. And it seems that these are the same things that Nicodemus is trying to sort out now that he's witnessed the miracles of Jesus. Now that he's figuring out who Jesus might be, what is this life all about? Because if we are anything like Nicodemus, we hear these lies in the dark. We hear judgment in the dark, judgment of, of who we are or who we've been or what we've done. And Jesus' response to Nicodemus is anything but judging. He's not issuing a judgment for things we can't forgive ourselves of, for the things that haunt us, for the things we carry with us from our past. Instead, Jesus' response to Nicodemus and Jesus' response to us is reassuring and that this new birth, this being born again, actually recreates us. It makes something new in the place of something old. To be born again then, as Jesus is describing it, is to be spiritually new. And Jesus says this is the work of his spirit. As mysterious as it is, it is powerfully transformative. And so as their conversation continues, Nicodemus and Jesus talking, I think it's true that that we all can relate to this. We find ourselves looking for the answers to life's deepest longings. These conversations we have with God, with our friends, with people, with ourselves that happen in the darkness, that they happen in a place where we actually feel a little bit safe asking the questions about the the meaning of life and the the meaning of God. There's something about being just surrounded by darkness and and stillness that says, okay, we can ask those questions, questions that cause us to maybe squint a little, to wrestle a little bit. What what are these, these things that matter in life? Questions that even can be as uncomfortable as carrying a cross. And as we ask these questions, Jesus gets this. Like in this interaction with Nicodemus, Jesus gets this as is his way, right? He meets us there. Jesus welcomes us when we come in secret, when we come in the dark, because Jesus is always welcoming us. And Jesus is still Jesus, even in the dark, which is exactly what Nicodemus finds out, that Jesus is still Jesus, even in the dark, And before I share a story of my own interaction with Jesus in the dark, I'd like to just pray for us and we'll dive into that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you would allow all of us to gather here as the Journey Church family. We thank you that you would bring us here with just open hearts in some way in which we might encounter you, God. God, I pray that if there is darkness in our lives right now, that you would speak to us through that. God, I pray that if there's not, that we would be able to praise you for your presence now. God, I ask that you would do whatever it is you need to do, say whatever it is you need to say to each one of our lives. Maybe it's through a word spoken, maybe it's through an interaction with somebody in this room, God, but would you do what only you can do in that? And God, I also pray that your words would come through me, that I wouldn't speak anything that's not from you, and that in all of this, you would be glorified, that we would make much of you. We love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. So on on this specific date, one year ago, I found myself in the Bozeman High School basketball gym late at night. Uh, I tend to find myself in basketball gyms late at night often, uh, on this particular occasion, I was in the gym trying to find Jesus because yesterday marked the anniversary, one year anniversary of when one of my players, I coach basketball at Bozeman High, one of my players, Grady and his mom, Heather, passed away in a car accident. And so it was at this time a year ago that I was trying to make sense of that as many people were trying to make sense of that, and so I didn't know what to do other than go to a place I've always been, a place where I always find some sense of solace, and so I went to Bozeman High School, and I went to the gym, and I was the only one there late at night. I didn't turn any lights on, just the the light that the security light is on, and I I just start start shooting as I'm asking questions within my spirit, within my, my heart, like, why God what what now God i don't know how to respond to this God, where are you, God? What about grady's family god like these these questions that we we don't know how to answer and i'm I'm just wrestling with them with a a ball and a hoop in the darkness and i'm and I'm shooting and I'm shooting, and at some point when i'm shooting i I have to compete like I can't just shoot for you know the whole time and not compete so I'm like okay I'm gonna see how many free throws I can make in a row so I go to the the free throw line and shoot my first free throw and then you always start on a make and that was my first one and I, I make that and so my streak's going One, two. Seven, eight, like eight, nine, ten, and then, and I'm at, I'm at ten or eleven or twelve. I don't, I don't quite remember where I was at on the numbers there, and something just begins to well up inside of me. And I can't explain it any other way than, than the, the presence of God, than the, the spirit of God coming over me. And I know that this is my unique story. And I don't know if God always works like this or not, but there was something as I'm shooting those free throws, 15, 16, 17, 18 in a row that, that I'm realizing or that they're this just washing over me that God is with me in this dark moment. 19, 20, 21, and it's at this point that, that I, I know they're going to go in and, and I say, I'm going to make 24 free throws because Grady was number 24. I'm going to make 24 for number 24, 22, 23, 24, and I just know they're going in. I stop at 24, and there's no other way to describe it but to say that, that God was with me in that moment, in that place, at that time that you find Jesus in the dark when you're looking for Jesus in the dark because Jesus is still Jesus even in the darkest moments of our life and I think that's what Nicodemus finds out I think that's what we find out maybe that, that experience that I'm sharing with you it, it's, it's uniquely mine, yes and I don't, I don't think God always reveals himself in those ways but he certainly can and he certainly will and I think that's what Nicodemus finds on this particular night when he encounters Jesus. So we're going to pick up that conversation in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. And this is, this is Jesus still responding to Nicodemus. So verse 13, I, I omitted that from the slide in your notes page for some reason. Sorry about that. But he, here's what's going on. Still having the conversation. Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, right? So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who, who is a religious leader. He is well versed in the Mosaic law. He, he knows exactly what Jesus is talking about when he starts talking about Moses raising his staff. He, he knows what that's in reference to. Jesus is appealing to exactly what Nicodemus needs to hear. And so he says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that is himself, must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is telling us in this moment as he's interacting with Nicodemus why he came, what his life is about. He's saying he came to earth and he put on the fullness of humanity so that he might be lifted up. Right, Lifted up just like Moses lifted his staff, but this time lifted up on a cross. Jesus is stating the purpose of why he came, so that he might be lifted up. And it's his death on the cross that then will provide life to all who trust in him. And you'll you'll find throughout what we read here in in John 3, as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says over and over again, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, right, he's not just implying that I believe in God, he's saying everyone who trusts, everyone who trusts that this is the way, everyone who trusts in me will have eternal life. That's what he's saying over and over again. Jesus is already in this moment alluding to the cross as his life's purpose. And so as he's talking to Nicodemus, here's what he says next in verse 16. It's it's likely you've heard this verse, John 3.16. But I, I want you to imagine even before I read it in a different light because so often we've quoted it or put it on billboards or put it on a sticker or put it on our wall. But, but Jesus is saying this specific thing right now in a specific time to Nicodemus. Nicodemus shows up in the dark trying to figure out who Jesus is and what he's about. And this is what Jesus has to say to Nicodemus in that moment. Here's what he says, John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world, He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. That is the beauty that will save the world, the beauty of the cross that will save the world. That is why Jesus came. He's saying, here, this is who I am. This is who I am. And it's likely, like I said, that we've heard this so often that we forget and we neglect the intensity of God's love for the whole world, right? As in everyone, ever, like all people. And the ultimate in love is that Jesus is willing to die for his enemies, right? Because it's the whole world. It's that Jesus is willing to die rather than to kill his enemies. Jesus says, this is how much I love the whole world. I am willing to die for my enemies because I love them that much. And I find that a lot of the time, we believe in a God who lives at, or at least on the outside of the margins of the world, right, as if he's, he's peering in to what's going on, pointing things out, maybe, maybe manipulating things to happen as they should, maybe that way, but we think he just operates from the margins. But Jesus, by way of the cross, comes crashing into the center of human life. This is the access on which everything turns. And it's this ultimate act of saving, right, to save the world, to show up at the center of human life, at the center of our lives, not by force and and not by power, but by humble suffering of a willing crucifixion. That is how Jesus comes crashing in to the center of human life. So let's not merely recite, For God so loved the world, but let's embrace the intensity of a love for the suffering and for the one who causes the suffering. For the suffering Syrian and the member of ISIS. For the child molester and for the innocent child. For the spiritually abused and the abuser. This is who Jesus died for. Everyone on the entire spectrum. That's what the love of Jesus looks like. A Jesus who would willingly die rather than to kill his enemies. And so he continues the conversation like this in verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Right, remember trust. Think trust when you see believe. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Right, there, there's this distinction still that yes, Jesus loves all God, God loves the whole world, but there is this distinction of those who are choosing to turn their back on the love of Jesus, of the the light that God's provided in the person of Jesus, and they're choosing darkness instead. And I believe sometimes we're afraid of the darkness of our lives because we're afraid of asking questions where the answers will then become uncomfortable. Or like Jesus is saying that he loves his enemies. He's saying love your enemies. It's already getting uncomfortable. And then the answers when we ask those questions are actually answers that will make us change the way we live. they actually have to change the way we live. And then on the flip side of that, I think we're actually afraid of the light as well, right? God's light through Jesus because we're afraid then of our sins being exposed. We're afraid of being exposed for who we really are. So this is why we love the darkness, as Jesus says, right? Because we would rather stay the way we are. We would rather stay the same than be exposed. Yet that exposure by God's light God's light shining on that through Jesus. When we look at Jesus and then we look at our lives, it illuminates who we are. That ends up actually being the most liberating exposure there is because it's not until we are exposed to how bad we are that we truly embrace how good God and his all-encompassing love actually is right? because the, the spectrum that we see it on reveals to us how big God's love actually is and how deeply we need it. And so Jesus then finishes this conversation with Nicodemus by saying just that. Verse 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. You see, God's, God's light, it doesn't necessarily remove the darkness of life, so to speak, but it shines into it, revealing that which was once dark in a new light. You see it completely differently when the light shines on it. Right, It was in the dark and now you see it differently in the light and th- this is how he works with us. This is how transformation happens. This is how we change as the light starts to shine on the areas of our lives that need to be exposed. The gentle light of Jesus revealing who we really are and who we can really be at the same time. Right? It's not just Jesus with this floodlight saying, you gotta get this together. It's this floodlight that says, this is who you can really be. This is who you can really be. And I just feel like any time a conversation begins in the dark, the only way we want it to end is with the light of Christ on the other side. And so perhaps, as it seems to be the case with Nicodemus in this encounter with Jesus, Perhaps you can actually see better at night. Perhaps your conversations in the dark are the times in which you begin to really see and experience Jesus most clearly. Right, because Nicodemus had some view of Jesus when he walked in to that interaction. And then he had the fullness revealed to him of who Jesus is and what he was about in this conversation in the dark Because what happens, just like Nicodemus, when we have these conversations in the dark, is we start to acknowledge that we can't control this. We acknowledge what we cannot control. We acknowledge what we don't know. We acknowledge what we really long for. And there was something in Nicodemus that said there's something different about Jesus and there's something different about what he's doing and talking about and offering, and I want that. I want to be accepted by the God who so loves the whole world, the God who gives a second birth into his kingdom by way of the cross. Perhaps the conversations you have in the dark are the things that truly reveal our need for Jesus and are a reminder of the intensity of his love. Not just a memory verse, but the intensity of a love for the whole world. Last week, I posed the question like this, the question that I believe Jesus is asking us over and over again. Jesus is asking us, will you let me heal you? That, that's this question that he's asking you over and over again. Will you let me heal you? And as far as it lies with the, the great physician, Jesus, he has come to heal the sick. Like That's why he came. Jesus, by way of the bloody cross, died for the healing of everyone who believes. Like, the the sin was all crucified there, too. When he dies for you and me and even for his enemies. I mean, why would he be called the savior of the world if he doesn't save the world, right? And again, this is like his all-time, never-ending invitation. Will you let me heal you? That's what he's asking. So will you let Jesus heal you? Because that is why he came. Perhaps we could also imagine it like this. We could could frame it a little differently. And we could ask ourselves the question, what are the conversations we're having in the dark? What are the conversations we're having in the dark Again, maybe as we lie awake at night, maybe as we gather with people, maybe just in our own hearts and minds, are we letting Jesus into those conversations? Because think about it like this. If Nicodemus had not snuck away in secret, in the dark, to meet Jesus, would he have ever met Jesus? Or just speculation, maybe Right, and think about it like this, if Jesus had not, or if Nicodemus had not snuck away in the dark to ask these questions, would we have ever had the response from Jesus' mouth that says, "for"? This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. If Nicodemus hadn't gone and asked the questions in the darkness, hadn't gone seeking Jesus in the darkness, would we have had that? Perhaps, yes, again, speculation. But think about what you might be missing out on if you don't bring your questions Perhaps today Jesus just intends for us to hear the same thing about how big and intense and all-encompassing his love is, that the only love of a suffering Jesus is the one that can save us. That's it. Only the love of a suffering Jesus can heal us. That's it. And the question then that's posed to us, much as it was posed to Nicodemus in a roundabout way, is will we stop trying to do it ourselves? Will we stop trying to heal ourselves in our own way, on our own time? Will we let Jesus heal us now? Will we let Jesus heal us now? And that's a heavy question. And I wanna just give you some space to reflect on it, so you can set things aside. You could bow your head, you could close your eyes, whatever you need to do, and just take that question to Jesus right now. Imagine that he's even just standing there in front of you right now asking you specifically, will you let me heal you? And the reality is it could be any any spectrum of things that you might need healing from It could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be big, it could be small, it could be something in between. I don't know. But regardless, Jesus is standing before you asking you the same question, will you let me heal you? Take some time with him and I'll close this in a second. you continue to take this time, I want to just pose that question even just one more time for us, and I want to give you an opportunity to even just respond to it, and so if you're here this morning, and you're saying, yes, Jesus, I'll let you heal me again, for whatever that might be, it could, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be somewhere in between, it could be big, it could be small, it could be somewhere in between, but you're saying, "Yes." Jesus, that you will let him heal you. Would you just be so bold as to slip your hand up and I'll just pray for all of us who are saying, Yes, Jesus, I will let you heal me. I will let you heal me. Slip your hand up, yeah, hands all over and you can keep them up or you can put them down and I'll just pray for all of us. God, we acknowledge that you are a God who heals. We acknowledge that you are a God who sent your son Jesus to make a way for us to have a relationship with you, and it is by the power of your cross and resurrection that we can say it's not by our own power, it's not in our own way, it's not on our own time, but it is only by the power of your work within us that we might be healed, and so we ask that you would heal us. Heal us for whatever it is, on whatever spectrum we find ourselves, God, Again, we acknowledge that we cannot do it on our own. We acknowledge that you are a God who loves so big and so wide that all are encompassed in that, including us. And we ask for your supernatural healing. We ask that you would give us the humility to hand over the things that we keep trying to control. God, go with us from this place. Help us live boldly. Help us live courageously for you and help us live dependently. We love you so much. We thank you for loving us. In spite of everything, you are so good, God. And it's sometimes when we fall apart, when we break down, that we realize how much we actually need you. We hand over all of that to you. We trust you with it. We love you and in your name we pray.